Texas, and I am joined by the one, the only, Troy in Tulsa tonight. Troy, how are you? How you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, I'm uh, I'm enjoying myself a nice little stout. What are you uh, sipping yeah. this evening? I have got the Elysian Space Dust IPA. Dope. One of uh, my one of my very favorite IPAs. That's uh, now carried by Quick Trip, <laughs> and is right around the corner from my house. So it's pretty dank. Convenient AF. So, you, you know, I have not had many Elysian beers. Yeah. They, they came to Texas hmm, about a year or so ago after they were, after the big purchase. So they were one of the few uh, craft breweries that was bought up by uh, Anheuser-Busch uh, a while back. Uh, but I, I just, it's not, uh, not that I haven't consumed them for that reason. It's just, I've not actually seen a whole lot of them on the shelf Yeah, where I am, but it's awesome that they're out and about around quick trip because that's, I fucking once, once beers hit convenience stores, like at the quick trip level, mm-hmm. they've made it in my opinion. I mean, that's yeah. like, it's how I feel about, uh, uh, Ranger Imperial IPA or what the voodoo, voodoo voodoo ranger voodoo ranger almost yeah. bought that today it's so good yeah i went uh stopped by after after work i didn't leave the office until like 6 45 tonight could you burn in the midnight um, oil yeah for real <laughs> <laughs> um picked up uh the elysian and then uh e likes the Stone Tangerine Express IPA. Right. Okay. Um, which I do too. And for those of you who don't know, it's a tropical IPA um, put out by Stone. Got uh, tangerine and I think pineapple. Uh, yeah, tangerine and pineapple. It is really good. I'm a fan of that. Very they had good. that at a, a, the, a movie theater that Mrs. Brown and I go to sometimes. And when it's on, it's own. I like that oh, beer yeah. a lot. Um, but that's good. Uh, yeah, I I think I've had Space Dust. It's probably been three or four years. Um, yeah, but it's one of those like just good, easy drinking IPAs. Um, yeah, there's something to be said about that. Readily available, and it's it's got a pretty decent um, alcohol. It's probably what six two, two six four. Um, it was eight point two. Eight? Are you fucking yeah. kidding me? Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah, so I, I first learned about these um, actually last year at the Lindy Oktoberfest yeah. up here in Tulsa. One of the tents that um, we had some friends volunteering at, um, you know, just pouring people beers. Yeah. Um, you know, they I got like all the spotting, um, the Optimator. Mm-hmm. Love that, especially in a Stein. It's great. Oh, yeah. And I was looking up. Um, in line at the side of the tent where they have basically giant posters of their menu. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw that Elysian Space Dust. And I was like, what the hell is that? 
<laughs> and my buddy that was with me was like, oh, dude, it's this dope IPA. I'm almost done with mine. Do you want to try some? And I was like, sure. And uh, little backstory, I only drink liters of IPAs <laughs> um, about three times a year. Okay. My birthday is St. Patrick's Day, and then I'll usually throw one other day in there. Yeah, for fun. Um, yeah. Just because it'll, man, it'll make you topsy-turvy. Uh, yeah, especially Real some, quick. some of those that you're drinking. Yeah, no mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's usually I just go with F5. And well, that will that will will hurt you the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> that will harm you. That will cause bodily harm to you. Um, but it's damn delicious. I love, Very good. I love Coop F5. I do, too. It um, is. It's probably my... It's, Hmm, this is going to piss off those rough tail fans, but I think I like it a little more than Erwo just because oh, no. I'm, a, I'm that, I, I kind of like, I don't know. They're one, two. They're yeah. that, uh, they're that dank West coast IPA that I kind of miss sometimes. Yeah. I feel yeah. Um, but so anyways, Aaron was there with me and, uh, she was like, you're not, you've already had two, two liters of optimator you're not getting a liter of ipa i was like all right i'll get another optimator (laughs) real quick optimator i think is is 6.2 yeah Uh, no 7.2 percent alcohol yeah so it's not like it's any yeah it's not like fucking what one percent walk in the park (laughs) yeah it's it's two two non-alcoholic beers more yeah (laughs) or less uh yeah but Either way, I saw it um, uh, maybe just a, a week or two after at, at Quick Trip, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to grab that. <laughs> and I've been buying them ever since. You know you know what's a little fun fun beer fact? Uh, anytime you see the ATOR uh, yeah. uh, designation at the end of a beer name, especially German beer names, you can pretty easily identify those as being Doublebox. Or a double Bach beer, um, uh, Salvator or Salvator, yeah, uh, Optimator, and I know I'm missing one, but those are all classic examples of uh, Double Box. Okay, and is there uh, a reason for the the abbreviation there, at it, the end? The suffix, if you will, there yeah. is. Um, I, it escapes me right now. Okay. Um, I know that Doppelbox were originally sold outside of churches by uh, Italian monks who were uh, in the region in uh, southern southern Germany, and they were sold as ways to raise money for the churches. Uh, okay. And especially, so uh, they were kind of the OG monks brewing beer, and I think we can get into that from what we're talking about precast and some of the questions you have. That is going uh-huh. to come into play later on. So it's interesting that we're able to bring up the old Doppelbach and uh, Italian monk brewing process in Germany. Okay, tight. Yeah, I will. Um, I'll put my Google search on hold, and we'll just work <laughs> our way there naturally. <laughs> yeah. So um, it, it's uh, let's see, Apollinaire Salvatore, hmm. uh, Optimator. Oh, and Celebrator. Dang, how can I miss eyeing okay. or Celebrator? Uh, Celebrator for those uh, maybe who are familiar with German beers. Uh, Celebrator is sold in like a four pack and you can always identify Celebrator because they have a little plastic goat hanging on the neck of the bottle. And that little plastic goat is 
Uh, Bach is, in German, is synonymous with the goat, and it's also synonymous with a strength of beer, typically over 6% alcohol. So what I do anytime I have an, uh, an Eyinger Celebrator is I will take the little goat off the neck of the bottle and I will hang it on a piece of brewing equipment. So I have a little goat hanging on the handle of my mash tun. Uh-huh. I have a little goat hanging on my uh, swing top of my growler that I use most often. Uh, I have a little goat hanging on... I don't hang it on the kettle, the handle of my kettle because that shit gets really hot and will fucking right. burn. <laughs> I don't want melted. a fucking melted goat on my <laughs> on my shit. Uh, but no, I put it on there for good luck because I figure if the Germans do it and they fucking make great beer, let me do it too. So yeah. uh, that's a little fun, little fun thing that you can find at liquor stores uh, with Doppelbach beers. And Doppelbachs are so fucking good. Like I can't stress to people enough how goddamn tasty they are, especially when they're done right. And some American brewers have adopted that ATOR style or uh, yep. uh, designation. So, you know, uh, I can, uh, I can, they can easily identify when you're out in the market. And anytime you see the ADER at the end, um, yeah. So anyway, uh, I tonight, real quick, uh, before we get into some of the questions that you might have, yep. Because, um, uh, ladies and gents, this night is going to be a, a night. We I sent Troy on a path. And Troy's got some questions after I sent him down the path. So uh, tonight I am drinking uh, Bible Belt from Prairie and Evil Twin. Uh, and Bible Belt is their big-ass stout that they do, coming in at a, at a nice 13% alcohol by volume. It's their Ooh. imperial stout aged on coffee, vanilla, chilies, and cacao nibs, which is very similar to the rest of the Prairie Bomb beers. This one's just done a little bit different arrangement, arrangement, if you will. And this this is a this is a honking beer. And uh, honestly, I probably shouldn't have started with this because I this is only my like, second beer of the week. So usually I'm pretty well primed for this kind of uh, behavior, and this one might catch me at a left here in a little bit. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> yeah, boy, I'm proud of you. <laughs> well, I got a follow up beer to follow the questions that we're going to have tonight. So let's get oh, into that. Yeah. Um, All right. So Saturday, Troy asked me, uh, or not, not even asked, you posted a picture of a really good beer that you tried. Yes. Um, it, uh, shit, I don't have it in front of me, um, but it was from Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. And it was, I was in there mainly to get some cheap wine. Like you do. Uh, like I do. And I was with Aaron and I saw this Belgian... It's called for six ninety nine. It's called Trader Joe's Providential Belgian style golden ale. Yes, ale brewed with spices on lees. Yeah, exactly. So, and it was. I was a little hesitant at first, but I was like, "Yeah, you know what? Screw it. It's payday. It's six ninety nine. Worst case scenario, I give some of it to Erin, see if she likes it. If we both don't like it, it's six ninety nine. Big whoop." <laughs> um, let it sit in the fridge for, well, overnight till it got cold, then popped it open the next morning and was pleasantly surprised at this this Belgian that, uh, I mean, when we, when we opened it, it sounded like you were opening a bottle of champagne. Mm-hmm. You had that nice cork pop. Um, you had the, oh, hell, not steam, but the... The nice little haze. The nice little haze. The kind of waft of it. Carbon dioxide uh, gas lifting off yeah. of it. CO2, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was great. It, um, it was like I was telling you guys that had a, 
you know, like the fizziness of a, of like a champagne, but it had like some really nice uh, citrus and floral notes mixed in there at the end. Mm -hmm. And uh, Aaron and I killed it in really about 10 minutes. (laughs) And it was, uh, it was pretty great. So yeah, I kind of talked to you guys about, uh, got a, a list of, of Belgians to try and went out uh, to Columbia Liquor here in Tulsa and uh, picked up a Chime. Right. Uh, I think it was the Reserve. Is that the blue one? Yeah, Chime uh, Grand Chime. Reserve. Sorry. No, it's okay. My bad. I've been saying Chime. 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 Uh, yeah. It's the new South Park character. <laughs> it's But he's Belgian. And he doesn't make yeah. a whole lot of sense. <laughs> That makes sense. Um, uh, yeah, Chimay uh, Grand Reserve is the blue, the blue label. Yeah. Um, and then uh, that night we went out and celebrated my sister's 30th birthday. And I had a uh, Trappist Roquefort 8. Oh. And then followed that up with uh, uh, two more Duvels, which were fantastic. Yeah. I think it was the Golden Ale, I mm-hmm. think is what it was. Yeah. Fantastic. Du- uh, the, but which, by the way, the the beer, the morning beer that you had that morning, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, was we you you found out that it was actually made by Unibrew from Canada, yes. uh, and they styled that beer uh, from Duvel and they're a Belgian Golden Strong, so highly effervescent, a little mm-hmm. bit of spice, uh, packs a wallop, <laughs> and surprisingly, the like the floral notes that you were picking up in there, uh, yeah. that's de- that's by design with that style in. Those are actually really hoppy for Belgian beers. Uh, they're some of the few Belgian beers that you'll find that actually have a distinguishable like hop characteristic. So, no kidding. Yeah, it's a very good. Like when you described the beer uh, on Saturday morning, I was like, God damn, Troy's on Troy's on point with his taste game. That's pretty. Oh, thank you. Pretty good. I was impressed. I hadn't brushed my teeth yet. That's why. Well, what's wild is so you, <laughs> we say in the morning it was eleven fifteen when he sent the picture of the poured. Um, True. And uh, one thing that you you kind of learn in the uh, beer tasting world and the especially in the off flavor um, assessment game is that uh, your taste buds are at their peak right before your typical lunchtime because your brain's kind of fired up, ready to taste food at that point of the yeah. day. And that's typically the only meal that we have at a regular set time, especially if you're working all day. Um, like I think everybody on this podcast does except for Frank. Um, yeah. When you're working and have a regular, pretty semi-regular schedule, you, uh, it, your, your taste buds are on point right before lunch. So you were at optimal tasting time and you're picking out all the right flavors. So bravo, sir. Bravo. Well, thank you. Thank you. Also bravo for ordering two Duvels out at dinner, because that is fucking gangster move. Two Duvels oh, thank you. after ordering a Roquefort 8, <laughs> which a couple uh, things. S- special occasions, you know. <laughs> Got to celebrate your little sister's birthday in style. <laughs> you only turned 30 once. Yeah. Uh, I think Yoto or something like that. Yoto-to-to. Yoto-to. Yoto-to. But a gangster move, ordering those Belgian beers in a night. Also, gangster move on the bar's part or the 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 restaurant's part for having that many Belgian options. Yeah. Hey, well, that was at the tavern here in Tulsa down in the Brady. It's a dope little restaurant. That's awesome. Everything in bottles or is it Duvel on tap? Duvel was actually in a can. Duvel was in a can. That was brought to me. It was like a 16-ounce tall boy. 
Yes. Okay, cool. Well, I, I've not actually seen Duvel in cans, but now that I know they exist, I will find them because yeah. um, the bottles kind of scare me sometimes because, uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're bottles of Belgian beer mm-hmm. that's bottle conditioned. I don't... There's enough enough beers blowing up on its own around here. I don't need uh, yeah. I don't need, I don't need that <laughs> shit happening. Um, well, that's cool, man. Uh, I, I I was glad that you you uh, kind of I don't want to say branched out because it's not like you're a one a one beer pony where you only drink one thing. Yeah. You you do. I mean, we've already heard that you drink a lot of other things, but Belgian beers in particular can be some of those like very divisive beer styles. Yeah. Um, like you try one, you don't like it. You're like, I'm never trying that shit again. And if a brewery names something just generic Belgian style ale, you might not be le- you might not try any Belgian beers ever again. Yeah, I mean that, that that's uh, that's me with with red ales. Yeah, I, I just for some reason do not like them at all. <laughs> and it's if I just see red ale, I'm like next. I'm not having it. Don't even. Yeah. Thank you. Next. <laughs> You go at full Ariana Grande. Is that I what do, it is? My ponytail. Yeah, you just flip your hair and uh, you 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 twist your wrist and swat yeah. them away. Move them on. Uh, well, cool. You at least have that going for you. <laughs> so fucking ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, everybody. I think everybody kind of has that beer style. Like Parker has that beer style. Has sours. That's his uh-huh. his. No, no thank you, uh, Frank. He claims IPAs, yet he still orders a lot of them. So I don't know yeah. how that works. I mean, we—I've been there. I've been in denial. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, did. Speaking of him, later on in the cast, we need to talk about this shirt thing. Okay, we will. We definitely will, um, because there have been some questions, mm-hmm. and a lot of them okay. revolved around how much alcohol did Frank consume before that podcast, and runs okay. with a schmott. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so. No, uh, we we were talking about uh, Belgian beer styles before the cast, and and how yeah. that is something that you can kind of branch out and have a night of a night of Belgians, and yeah. similar to the way you did. Um, and I kind of want to give some backstory and maybe some clarifications on some styles. Um, did you have any questions before I got into kind of the layout? Yeah, but it's um, basically a brief history okay. of Belgians and. Basically, how they're made. Okay. Like, is there any? Is that what separates the Belgian style from, say, a, a just it being a you know like Duvel from being like just a, a golden ale? Okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, history of Belgian beers. Uh, they kind of uh, Bel- Belgium, much to Frank's chagrin, is actually a really great. Uh, part of European history <laughs> in that yeah. uh, it's located in a very, very unique, like it's located between two giant powerhouses of Germany and France. Uh, and I'm talking giant powerhouses in, in the 17, you know, 16, 1700s. Right. Um, so Germany best known for beer production and France best known for wine production. We're in now like you can throw spirits and stuff in there, but probably best known for wine as far as fermented, fermented beverages go. Uh, and Belgium right in between them kind of lives in the best of both worlds in that, um, they have rich brewing history from the uh, people in Germany who have both grown, (laughs) grown grain and grown hops and the, the, the very unique history of France where they do a lot of things in wood, uh, for wine. 
so barrel aging wine and fermenting wine in open barrels, open wood vats. And Belgium kind of took both of those worlds and melded them together. Belgium technically has uh, two regions, uh, three technically. They have East and West Flanders, and then they have Wallonia. Well, Wallonia is basically everything outside of like central Belgium. Okay, there's like a little kidney bean portion of Belgium that's right dab, yeah. smack dab in the middle, and then that's Flanders. Everything else around that is Wallonia. Wallonia okay. is best known for farmhouse style ales, so that is your wit beer, your saison, and your beer de garde. Those are your lighter um, ales, um, very okay. very unique and lighter in color. Typically, beer de garde right. can be a little a little darker, uh, but yeah. beer de garde just means beer for storing. So um, it, it's it's going to be a little maltier, a little heavier, and not a very uh, well produced style because. Nobody knows what the fuck it is, really. It's honestly, it's the Belgian version of an American amber ale. Uh, <laughs> it can be whatever the fuck is not a saison. It's a beer to guard. It's fucking beer to guard. Okay. Um, and then you get into the Flanders region. We're gonna probably stay away from the Flanders region so much because that is gonna be where your sour ales come from. Your open fermented oud uh, bruns, your uh, uh, Belgian browns, your Belgian reds, uh, and then your lambics, your wild fermented ales. We're going to stay away from those because what you were focusing on and what a lot of people have access to are the monastic breweries or the Trappist breweries or the like uh, Belgian single, double, triple quad. Okay. So you've, you've probably heard those, those terms thrown out before. Yeah, for um, sure. Well, that um, like I know um, – um, oh, crap. The guys in Kansas City. Uh, Boulevard. Boulevard, yep. Um They've got a quad, a Belgian quad, bourbon barrel um, quad. There uh, isn't Tank Seven a farmhouse? Yeah, Tank Seven is an imperial saison. Is okay, or they call or they called it an imperial saison. It's essentially Belgian golden strong. Same thing. Okay, but they they have a farmhouse, don't they? Uh, a farmhouse ale. Yeah, I'm sure they do somewhere in their in their lineup. Shit. Maybe I'm thinking Prairie. Prairie, Either way, Prairie is like um, they got their start making farmhouse ales. Okay, boom, there yeah. you go. Um, so those farmhouse ales, kind of what makes those those unique, uh, those beers from the Wallonia region of Belgium. Yeah, what makes those unique is uh, saison. Just uh, they are typically a wheat based, uh, wheat and barley based beer, um, fermented with a very specific yeast strain. Which is what makes those beers like special from everything else. They're both alcohol tolerant, but they're also heat tolerant. So you can ferment them in a farmhouse, basically, or in the barn. Right. In the barn, uh, and typically these beers were brewed in the spring. They were fermented and they were kind of stored away over the summer, and then they were consumed after harvest was over. So typically, like late August, early September. All right. Um, and like I said, those are a little hardier beers, but they're also big and flavorful. They have a lot of phenolics that are produced by the e- by the yeast. So you get like white pepper. Uh, people pull out coriander. People pull out like like basically everything that you find in like a wit beer, but with way more carbonation. Okay. Um, wit beer is also a, a farmhouse style. That is a whole different uh, ball game, and I would love to get into that. 
uh, at some point, but that is, I mean, because that's my that's my Jimmy Jam. I fucking yeah. love wit beer, uh, but it's very different from the rest of the style. Saison is at least okay. close to Belgian Golden Strong or a Belgian Triple in that it's light in color, a little higher in ABV. Um, it's high in carbonation, but it lacks the spicing that a Belgian Triple or a Belgian Golden Strong use. And we'll cover that now. Okay. Um, quick, maybe dumb question. Go ahead. Um, I noticed you said um, you've got your barley, your wheat, mm-hmm. and a very specific yeast strain. Mm-hmm. Um, any hops at all? Uh, very good question. So the hops that Belgian brewers typically use outside of that Belgian Golden Strong or Triple yeah. that I was talking about, um, the hops that they're using are very like – they're notorious for being like the worst hops ever. Okay. <laughs> the hops that are usually <laughs> when they're harvested, they're thrown up in the, into the loft of a barn and they just like fucking just leave them there until they use them. And, okay. And, <laughs> like, like last resort hops. They, no, they, the, I think a lot of times like it's kind of the running joke in beer making is that the only reason Belgians use hops is so Germans don't get pissed at them and you tell them they're not making beer. Like, okay. <laughs> Because, you know, beer is water, malt, barley, hops, yeah. <laughs> or water, water, malt, hops, and yeast. Uh, and if you're missing one of those ingredients, you're not making beer. So the Belgians throw it in there. Like, there are some stories that Belgian lambic makers mm-hmm. literally will throw in hops in the mash and be like, fucking, we used hops. You bitches can't say we didn't use them. <laughs> They're just like, that's not really what we meant. <laughs> They're just like, fuck you. We're Belgium. Uh, Which is great. something you'll see when we start discussing beer styles in Belgium. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of where you get that French part, the French the terroir, if you will, of we don't give a fuck what you say. We're making beer. And like, All well, right. you have to make to a style. Fuck you. We don't make styles. And like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we make beer. Like, that's what they're fucking making. They're making beer. And that's what you get when you get when you start looking at these uh, what Americans especially try to force into styles for marketing purposes, because that's we want to fucking sell these things. We don't just want people to be like, you want uh, like Roquefort eight is a perfect example. Yeah. You want Roquefort eight? Like what the fuck is Roquefort eight? I have no that's idea. Damn delicious. It, damn delicious is a good descriptor, but it doesn't tell me what the fuck I'm drinking. <laughs> but when we explain why they come up with some of the numbering systems that you have, okay. it, it kind of makes sense. So we can't, right. we can't really go any further without explaining the difference between uh, monastic and Trappist brewing and then secular brewing. So uh, right. monastic and Trappist, meaning that uh, these are beers produced by monks uh, for, uh, to raise money for churches. Um, monastic, monastic meaning, uh, that they're ba- they, obviously for, uh, religious purposes. Trappist is a completely separate designation for beer altogether. As a matter of fact, there is a Trappist logo that is found on all Trappist beers. I think there's nine different breweries or maybe 11 different breweries in the world with the Trappist designation. Chimay is one of them. Ro- yeah. Roquefort is another one. Um, there's one American brand, uh, and that is Spencer Abbey Ales out of Massachusetts. So, and that's the, probably the newest one. Um, Orval is another, uh, uh Trappist brewery. Uh, matter of fact, Orval is the only Trappist brewery that makes only one beer. <laughs> so no congratulations. Kidding. Uh, so there's, a, a the Trappist breweries have this like kind of, I don't know, mystique about them that they're special and that they're unlike anything else in the world. And they are, um, but what makes them separate is the recipe that they've used for, uh, honestly, about 100 years. 
Um, most of these breweries have dates back that, you know, will have a ridiculous date on the bottle, but most of the breweries really only existed after world war one because most of them were torn down <laughs> during world war one, <laughs> uh, because they were ripping out all the copper they could out of all these businesses so they can, I don't know, have metal to throw at Germany. Like as they pass through their country, like fucking stop it. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, so these Trappist breweries, made these beers very, very popular. And they did something similar to the way the uh, Italian monks did in Germany in that they sold the beer for to like provide money for their monastery or uh, or their whatever the fuck, the monk, monkatorium, wherever the fuck monks live. Uh, um, monasteries. Monastery, yeah. yeah. <laughs> monkatorium sounds way cooler. It does. Um, going out of the monkatorium. <laughs> going out of the monkatorium getting fucked up tonight. Um <laughs> And I, I, I hesitated earlier when I was saying this about the Ader version, uh, the Ader designate uh, suffix. Uh-huh. Um, they, they did brew uh, Doppelbox in Germany uh, during Lent when people uh, could not eat meat. So they had some sustenance that they could provide in malt and uh, malted beverage. M- the monks in Belgium at these Trappist breweries in particular did something very similar. So they would fast I mean, they would do, you know, weeks long fasts where they would consume nothing but beer, which sounds fucking dope, especially yeah, when, you, when you think sign, about the you sign me up for that. Right. I honestly, when I first started homebrewing, I had a fast that I was going to do. that was just going to be uh, drink only the beer that I made for myself. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna have to take like a week off from work because I'm going to be <laughs> fucking non-functional <laughs> during that time period. Um, but uh, the, the monks would, would, uh, would provide a beverage for sale to people. And they would also, uh, like I said, they would create a beverage that was just for themselves. And that's pretty cool because when you start looking at the designations that they put out, so let's look at Chimay, for instance. Yep. Chimay puts out three beers that you can find just about anywhere. Um, they have their red label, their white label, and their blue label. Um, their beer labels uh, are desert, like... Uh, did Johnny Walker rip that off of them? <laughs> yeah, for, for for this conversation, they did. Yeah, okay, <laughs> they <Bye>. did. <laughs> um, Chimay uh, Red is their rouge or their red beer. It is uh, closely uh, closely related to a double. Some people pronounce it double. It's double. Uh, their white label, their Cinquince, Cinquince. What I don't even know how to pronounce it. It okay. is their triple or their uh, Belgian Golden Strong. Uh, they call it a triple because it is a it's a Trappist beer. So triple gets that designation. So if you're following along, we have a double, triple, and then they're blue, they're Grand Reserve, which is typically, you know, the the highest of the high marks that a brand can get. The Grand Reserve. That is their quad. So and if you're following along all those designate uh, obviously the A B V. Uh, that's like the yeah. easiest go-to. Double is I want to say like six, seven percent alcohol. Uh, triple anywhere between seven and eight percent alcohol, and then quad plus whatever the fuck is above your triple. That's what you're. Yeah. That's what you're going for. Um, okay. A, a brewery like Roquefort does something similar, where they have Roquefort six, eight, and ten. Six, and they have. Uh, that's what we get here in America. They have other the the rest of the taps. Those are desi- Those numbers designate the taps at the brewery, so you can go in and get a Roquefort four or Roquefort five, whatever. Okay, where is Roquefort? Is it in Belgium? It's in Belgium. Um, okay, I think it's actually Roquefort is the name of the town in Belgium. 
Okay. I think. Sorry, planning my vacation <laughs> so I can go take Roquefort H straight from the tap. <laughs> I love that thing. Yes, Roquefort Belgium is uh, where the Trappist Roquefort Brewery is. Okay. Um. So yeah, Roquefort Ten by far my favorite. It is flipping amazing. Okay. So see, I've only been able to get eight. Mm-hmm. Um, at at a restaurant here in Tulsa, um, but I've 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 never even seen, you know, one through ten. Well, okay, so I'm looking 12. I'm looking at uh, their designations here. It looks like the only ones they make commercially available are six, eight, and ten. Okay, which that is, would explain why. Which is what we get here in Texas. I just assume that Texas didn't get all the cool shit. Um, I like I'm. Like ninety nine percent sure that if you go to the brewery, you're going to have more options. But I'm not going to get into that. Um, no. So they have a similar color designation. So they have red, brown, uh, red, green, and blue as being yep. designations for color or for uh, strength. Uh, honestly, it looks like their styles of beer are all basically the same. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I'm just looking at a a website here, and like the six is the red, eight's the green, ten's the blue. Mm-hmm. Um. It looks like they're all kind of a brown beers, uh, yeah. or Belgian darks. Uh, is that a is that a European thing to have the different colored labels? Yeah, it, j- it just makes it easier. They don't like if you yeah. look at a lot of European beers, especially beers that have been around for a while. There's not a whole lot to the branding of the beer. They don't really give a shit. Like, yeah. it's, it, like, just like drink our product and then tell me what you think of it. Especially, you got to think, man. Especially monks. What the fuck? What, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, what are monks doing? <laughs> they're they're uh, their viral marketing campaigns. <laughs> we all know the the monks and their viral videos that they put out. They're, the monks yeah. are big on the vine. Um, I hear I vine, world star, and there's just fucking monk fights. I guess or something. I don't know. Oh hell yeah, monk fights. <laughs> that would be so tight. The the winner sprays the loser in the face with a bottle of Roquefort Eight. And like oh shit, Sonny poured the eight on me. Poured the eight on him. Oh man. Anyway, so not to get too far off topic here. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Re- reeling it back in. So if you notice, a lot of these uh, breweries uh, in Belgium have these designations, have these ABV designations, and these are all monastic or Trappist breweries okay. that will have something similar to that. And I say that because like there is a an air about those beer styles or what we've what we've put or classified them as beer styles, um, and that they're different. They're not necessarily better than, but they require a premium price. And uh, then you have the secular brewers, and that's where you get Duvel. Duvel in Belgium. You want to take a guess what it means? Uh, Duvel in Belgium. Let me go with uh, devil. Satan. There it is. It's Satan. The, it's the devil. <laughs> so uh, Duvel, like clearly like the anti- uh, Trappist mm-hmm. beer on it, like on from the surface level yeah. at least. Um, so Duvel made its mark with a beer style that, like, when you look at it poured, like, oh, it's a triple. I'm like, no, 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 it is not a triple because it is highly effervescent. It's got a lot of carbonation to it. It's also got very unique spices, and like I said earlier, it is very hoppy, and the hops are well preserved hops or well-preserved for Belgian standard hops. Yeah. Um, and so that beer doesn't get the triple designation, 
but it is the cornerstone of the beer style Belgian Golden Strong, which obviously those three words making up, you know, every descriptor that you need uh, thinking about a beer before you drink it. Color, uh, or uh, 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 where, color, and how strong is it? It says strong in the fucking label and it says golden. It's going to be high ABV and, and golden in color. So there we go. Um, uh, so you'll see a lot of beers made, uh, some, uh, basically the rule of thumb that I use is that if it's not a Trappist brewery, if it's not a monastic brewery, then it gets a, a, a golden strong or dark strong designation. If it is a monastic or a Trappist brewery, it is uh double, triple quad. Okay. Um, those beer styles are all made very uniquely, um, from like an American blonde ale, the difference between American blonde and a Belgian golden strong and a triple is the yeast strain is typically like the first, first, uh, first step. What yeast strain does it use? Um, American beer styles typically use American ale yeast or some variant of an ale yeast. And those other two, uh, use a very phenolic high alcohol tolerant, uh, Belgian yeast strain. Phenolic okay. means those like cracked black pepper flavors and shit. Yeah. Okay. That was going to be my next question was what makes this, this yeast strain so special. Um, um, it is uh, that those yeast strains are also preserved from sometimes from the the genesis of a brewery. They yeah. will use the same yeast strain. Okay, so this might be a topic for a different cast, but how yeast strains are developed. Oh yeah, could be uh, because I, th- I mean, like, come on, you think about like, you know, like. Roquefort and Duvel, these guys have been around for centuries. Yeah, like well, literal centuries. They've been, yeah, they've been. They've how been the hell beer for a have long they? Time. You know, like seven hundred years ago, how did they be like? Oh shit, we have this yeast strain. We should probably not deviate from this. So what? What else is important to remember in all this is that no matter what brewery it is, doesn't matter if mm-hmm. it's uh, Trappist, Belgian, English, doesn't matter. Um, over time, those yeast strains do evolve. Okay. Um, I guess that makes sense. And also, I mean, because they're living organisms. They right. do have uh, different evolutions they go through. Uh, also, you mean, I thought God just made them that way. Nah, God doesn't restrike yeast strains halfway through. <laughs> doesn't work that way. Um, <laughs> um, the other thing to remember is brewing practices are very different now than they were even 50 years ago. So yeah. what we taste today is close to what was produced back then. doesn't matter where you go to. Like, and you will hear beer experts spouting this over and over again like, you know, oh, it's preserved flavors from the origins of the – fuck off. It is not. It is what we taste today. And that is kind of the beauty of beer. You can chase after flavors that someone had 100 years ago. Yeah. But honestly, no one's going to fucking know. Like you can, even the smartest, you know, beer science uh, scientists in the world can take a really good guess at it, but even they have to step back and be like, you know, it's still fucking fermented in stainless steel. Like you're never going to yeah. get your, and, and like, you know, even open fermentation in a uh, fooder from the 1800s, like bitch, they didn't have diesel engines in the 1800s that were fucking pumping out uh, uh, the, the pollution that is hanging in the air around the brewery. Like you just. Just not. okay, yeah. Like that is part of the essence of what made certain beers those beers back then. Yeah. Um. There's people who talk about all the time that uh, every every English style of beer 
um, every English uh, ale yeast strain is like some variant of a wild yeast strain because they did um, open fermentations and shit back mm-hmm. in the 17 and 1800s. Like, well, okay, yeah, sure, I guess. But we also have scientists that really, like can breed certain characteristics out of yeast strains and then right. we make that commercially available. So the fuck are we doing here? Like it, it, all, yeah. all that to say, like they can, there's a lot of things that have changed. Um, it, it's in my mind, the way it works for me is uh, distilleries do the same thing. The Jack Daniels that we taste today probably tastes pretty similar to the way Jack Daniels tasted back in the day, but mm-hmm. I guarantee you that one had a hell of a lot more flavors that we yeah. have, we have distilled out of Jack Daniels today. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I, I think that's kind of what we have to think about when we think about like, oh, well, this beer was made the same way in the last 200 years. Like, maybe, but probably not. Like, yeah, well, I mean, like, hasn't all beer really been made the same way? Yeah, it's been made. This, it, it, like any fermented beverage is made the same way. Sure. But yeah. like when you got that propane, like I can tell you right now, you're going to fuck it up when you have that propane powered forklift driving through the brewery. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> They didn't have that in the fucking 1700s. <laughs> yeah. Was, that wasn't there. Well, I mean, so. hell, even, um, I guess, even when you're boiling the mash. Yeah. You know, um, I know the few times I've homebrewed, I put that shit, uh, just hook up a propane tank to a, a turkey um, fryer. Get, yeah, a turkey fryer. Yep. Or uh, the first time Villam and I did it, we were in college and we just made a little William Sonoma little box of some IPA. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, hell we just boiled that shit on the stove in the kitchen. Yeah. Gas kitchen, you know, your <laughs> gas stove. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm assuming they probably didn't have the access to propane <laughs> or natural had, gas. You know, it's, they're probably cooking on, they're on probably wood. Wood. Yeah. Wood uh, fires. Which, if you've ever tasted a even wood, wood, uh, wood dried malt, which is what they were having to do, <laughs> rather than like, you know, hot steam malt or steam dried malt, like what we have, or dry heat malt, or whatever the fuck. Modern malting processes are very different than they used to be. If we want to get into that, that's for a separate time. But for okay. now, let's finish up the beer, the Belgian beer styles, and the kind of the history, and then. Uh, you can ask any other questions that you maybe it may have. The cool part about modern uh, beer distribution in particular is that we get access to a lot of these styles and beers that we hadn't had in the last hundred years. Mm-hmm. So uh, right now, like I can go to the liquor store and have, I think five different Trappist beers right now at my, at, at the ready. Right. Um, it's pretty fucking dope. Uh <laughs> Uh, because of that, you also have uh, Americanized versions of these beer styles. So you have an American triple, um, like Boulevard. We'll get into Boulevard here in a second more in depth. Okay. But like Boulevard had a beer called Long Strange Triple. Okay, it had a classic. I think they used the uh, Westmall yeast strain, Westmall Belgian yeast strain. Uh, Westmall is another a Trappist brewery, very famous for making the triple and making that like the tits triple. Okay. Um, the one bottle, of, not famously, but my biggest gripe is the one bottle of West Mall that I ever bought, and it was when I really couldn't afford West Mall. I bought a bottle of it, and it fucking blew up all over my apartment, and I was oh, very no. unhappy. Sent a, I sent a mean tweet. 
And uh, <laughs> oh shit, look out! <laughs> and I got a direct message response from the importer of West Mall, who right. wanted to know how much money they owed me for my damaged bottle of beer, and then they wanted the date code off of it so they can run quality control. I mean, they went fucking all out. Yeah. Amazing. Never bought another West Mall beer because one, I can't really find good ones that are not like really old and beat up. Uh, but two, they're not cheap either. So, you know, I try to kind of stay away from it. But they're really cool. Anyway, uh, back to the point. Boulevard made a beer called Long Strange Triple using that West Mall yeast strain. They also spiced the shit out of it with okay. some proprietary Boulevard spicing, which made it very unique. Very, very good, but very unique. Um, and that is kind of what you see, is you'll see uh, Belgian Golden Strongs. Uh, Unibrew does a Belgian Golden Strong called La Fin du Mont. And that, okay, I've had that, and that is, um, dude, that is, I had it at the same place I had first had the uh, Roquefort Trap Estate okay. um, R-Bar here in Tulsa, and that thing is, it's it's Aaron's favorite beer. It's and a, it, it it the first time I had it, I was blown away. And it, I mean, this is just bringing from a you know a bottle or a can mm-hmm. set in front of me with a cold like cold pint, pint glass. glass. Yeah, and I was just you know I had I was just like holy shit, this is an incredible beer. Well, that and that's what's so amazing about these Belgian beer styles is the Belgians in particular were able to make a golden beer, a beer that looks not too dissimilar from a Pilsner. Yeah. And they were able to make it taste so fucking unique and right. so good. Like it, Miller Coors Bud Light might want to take a, no- take a note. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just like, hey, you can make, like, I love Coors Light to death. Yes. I'll drink it day in and day out. But, you know, anytime they want to amp up the flavor, you know, I'm all for it. Sign me up. Are you going to drink a, a Coors Natter Day? Uh, I might. That'd be pretty tight. Um. So no. Uh, so that's that's what makes Belgian beers so cool, is that because they don't brew to a style, they don't have style parameters that they dead set follow. They just have guidelines like guardrails. Yeah. Is it golden? Cool. It's Belgian golden strong. Like, <laughs> like, and they just go with it. Like, is it higher than six percent ABV? It is. Belgian Golden Strong. If it's lower, is it a Saison? I don't know. Fucking call it whatever you want. Call it a Belgian Golden Ale. I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> that's what it boils down to. And because they do that, like, you are you open the door to all these wonderful flavors of a very unique part of Europe. And I say very unique. Like, there's literally no other country like Belgium in Europe. It, it is a port. Like, it, it, it's a city on the sea in parts. It's a It's a... It's a country like surrounded by all this rich history. It is rich history in and of itself. And it's also like torn between two very different worlds of like stainless steel and like following strict guidelines and another world of like wood and fun and also like fuck you, we don't give a shit what you want from me. Yeah. Like you have to you're diametrically opposed like uh, siblings on either side of you and then in the middle is Belgium. And they just create their own shit that is so fucking flavorful that it literally there's no place else that like it in the world. And they produce beers that have influenced some of the best breweries in America. 
to make some crazy shit. <laughs> like, if it wasn't for Belgium and the crazy Belgian brewers, you wouldn't have Prairie, you wouldn't have Jester King, you wouldn't have Jolly Pumpkin, you wouldn't have Who Garden, you, I mean, or, you know, Celis uh, in here yeah. in America, you wouldn't have Boulevard, you wouldn't have Oma Gang. And because Duvel in particular uh, has teamed up with Duvel Mortgart, which is a giant conglomerate now, Duvel has purchased Oma Gang Brewing in Cooperstown, New York. They've purchased Boulevard in Kansas City, Missouri, and they've purchased Firestone Walker in Paso Robles, California. They've purchased all these breweries, and what they've done is not overtake them and run them into the ground or say you have to brew this, you can't brew that anymore, you have to make this at this price or else you know they don't force their way into distribution places. Uh-huh. They they raise up every one of their brewers in the same way that they were raised up in Belgium. Okay. They give Boulevard what they need to do a ridiculous R&D program so that they can produce uh, BBQ or the bourbon barrel quad that they make. Okay. They used to only make it one time a year and it was fucking amazing. Now they make it in four packs year round. Yeah. The same way with tank seven, they used to only make it in four packs and it was like, Oh, it was a spe- it's kind of a special occasion. I mean, honestly, you used to make it in uh corked and cage, 750 milliliter bottles. And it really yeah. was an occasion at that point when you had a pop a cork, man, that's a fucking thing. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a celebrate. That's like the universal sound of like celebration. <laughs> exactly. Is that little thump? Boop, and then you're fucking, you're off to the races. Yeah. Uh, but then they like, now they have tank seven available in six packs. I'm like, fuck mm-hmm. off, man. That is amazing. Dude, I can get it on tap pretty much anywhere here in Tulsa too. I, and you, you think like all of these things wouldn't be as either as available or available at all. If it wasn't for one country saying fuck off to Germany and saying, mm-hmm. give me this, give me this, and then fuck off from from France. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, if it wasn't for that one country doing that, we wouldn't have some of the most amazing, beautiful beers in the world. Yeah. I'm, I'm fucking ever grateful. And when I hear Frank talking shit on Belgium, I'm just like, you know what? You have no idea what you're shit yeah. right now. Well, that's, that's Frank. He doesn't always have the best opinions. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I have something for this. Wait for it. Wait All right. for it. Sorry. I just got to get this pulled up. Oh, fuck. My soundboard went away. Oh, Poppy. That's Frank's opinion. <laughs> it's a lot, but it's just enough. <laughs> Is it the live feed of him getting pegged? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fucking remember man, when Villem cut uh, that on accident. It was hilarious. Yeah. Um, okay, so real quick, the shirt thing. Yeah, okay, go ahead. This, yes. this, this is not like a Lacoste or a Polo <laughs> Ralph Lauren t-shirt that probably costs like 30, 40 bucks. So real quick, just so in case someone is not mm-hmm. up to snuff, okay, they've missed okay. an episode or so. Uh, Frank, a couple episodes back, discussed... It, Frank was pretty toasted when he came on. <laughs> he actually, he got a lot of the details right. Okay, well, he was talking about a time where uh, he was discussing where Troy borrowed a shirt from him in college and then years later returned the shirt and, and yep. had years of, of wear to it. Yes. And Frank... Uh, took exception. Uh, yeah, and then it led to what Troy is Troy's discussing. Yeah, here. so uh, basically, it led to him at a, at Villain's bachelor party taking a pocket knife 
and cutting one of my shirts that I left at his house there in uh, in way south Minneapolis. <laughs> um, <laughs> and in the process of him cutting his shirt, he sliced his finger wide open, and it was hilarious <laughs> on all accounts. <laughs> um, but anyways, what we're talking this is a – like are you familiar with the brand Burton? Yeah, the snowboard company, right? Yes. So plain blue T-shirt – with black lettering across the front that said Burton. That's this shirt could not cost more than twenty dollars. Super specific, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, you know, we're in college. I borrow at one time, and keep in mind, he he does not ask for it back. No, which, why, why would he? You know, I will admit fault on on my myself for not. Like, you know, promptly returning the shirt that I borrowed but and keeping see, it for like eh, six to eight years, <laughs> you know, and, and wearing it constantly <laughs> in that time. So, yeah, there was considerable wear and tear on it. But like, come on, if you borrow a shirt from someone and they don't return it like within a month, you're probably not. Don't, ex- don't expect a like, I'm sorry, I didn't put this in my little J.C. Penney. <laughs> Uh, zip up bag where my suit stays hanging clothes bag over in the corner of the closet with uh with your funeral suit your interview suit and then uh, frank's burton shirt yeah from 2007 no i just want to i just want uh fair representation for all oh yeah no um so i do get you know yes i should have returned the shirt we've already discussed this frank and i but i want i wanted to get my side of the story out there to the listeners and then the rest of the story. Now, I, I think it, went, it kind of goes without saying when Frank was as belligerent as he was about how <laughs> you fucked him over in the in the shirt world. I was like, dude, are you fucking serious right now? He was like, it was yeah. all torn to shreds. I'm like, no. It's goddamn eight-year-old shirt that no, you definitely it was weren't missing. <laughs> it was faded from normal wear and tear. He, oh, like, he, there were no holes in it. And Except if, for the ones that it already came with. <laughs> and if anyone, if anyone thought that Frank was overreacting, one, you were right. But two, I think he mm-hmm. was just like, you got justice in that he had to go to the ER, the emergency room in fucking Broken Bow, Oklahoma. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that made it all worth it. I mean, hell, I still have the Rangers shirt that, uh, that he cut. <laughs> and, uh, the cool thing about that was, you know, I just took, my knife while we were there and we made that into a crop top. There you go. So you got a whole, so a whole Romania shirt like right across the chest just says um, like Texas Rangers in like the block letters. Yeah. So I now have a, uh, um, and we went ahead and cut the sleeves off too. Of course. So it's a sleeveless crop top. Is that what you wear to the gym? So you can really get your pump uh, on? Not to the gym. I wore it to a white trash bash um, oh. probably about a year and a half ago. And it was, I bet it was That's a hit. Home best costume. I was gonna say it's got to be a hit, a number one yeah. right right away. Yeah, it's it funny. was great. Just with my gut hanging out underneath. <laughs> <laughs> okay, speaking of white trash yeah. bash, I I feel like I, mi- I I I I don't I don't feel like I know I miss our annual white trash bash that we used to do. Oh, it was great. I'm just pissed I got there after the Tupperware shots. Dude, okay. So let's let's get into this real quick because it's it's weird that you bring that up because I sent Mrs. Brian was doing a project for her school. You know, she's a middle school teacher. All right. Nice. And probably the toughest te- toughest stage to teach, huh? 
especially her kids are a whole different realm of 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 the fucking they're they're just on a next level um but she has a project for school where she was wanting uh there was like a guidance counselor who wanted pictures of their teachers in college and i was like no that's a bad idea i was like well <laughs> shit let me sift through here she didn't tell me what pictures like why she needed these pictures so of course i sent her the picture of us at the white trash bash mm-hmm. where she was a pregnant woman and uh <laughs> She was doing shots all night, and like we had drawn on tattoos with sharpies and shit. Yeah. And I had Leonard Skinner tattoos misspelled yeah. on my arm, and Strap I had, had the Alamo across his belly. He did. Uh, and then it's I was time. drawing tattoos on people. Like I was, we yeah. were doing back tats on on randos, like full on <laughs> mural pieces and sharpie on people's backs. Um, our friend Justin had a yes. mustache drawn like in Sharpie mm-hmm. on his upper lip and then he kept getting high off of it all night. So he kept, like, we had to find some Vaseline to put over it so that he wasn't sniffing Sharpie all night off his upper lip. Oh my God. It was a train He would wreck. be the one that would huff Sharpies. <laughs> he was like, we were there for about an hour and he was like, dude, I got a terrible headache right now. <laughs> like, Drink more. I think it'll go away. It didn't. So, um, I of course wore my old high school football shirts and uh, uh, some cut off jean cargo shorts that I had found. Real classy socks and sandals uh, were that little combo. But to Troy's point, we did this wonderful little invention called Tupperware shots, which is where take notes, kids, where you take Tupperware dishes and you pour (laughs) alcohol into them and then you drink the alcohol out of the. (laughs) Out of the Tupperware dishes, so we're pouring what looks to be about oh that like we're we're eyeballing this shot in a yeah. in a sandwich container and we're like that looks like about an ounce. Turns out it's about four ounces of tequila. Yeah, I was drinking. gonna say you're probably like these these probably aren't your typical shots. No. These are more sipping shots than <laughs> anything. <laughs> sipping sipping grain alcohol out of a bowl. Nope, not us. We're just shooting it shooting nope. it all the way down. Yeah. Like, hey, this tastes like it might have had leftover spaghetti in it. Nah, just fuck it. So pour nah, some. Don't worry, man. Pour we some. Washed them. <laughs> yeah, pour some polar ice vodka in there, and then I'll shit'll clear right up. Yeah. You see all the soap scum <laughs> along the edge? That's proof we washed it. Yeah, see, that's proof right there. Like, it's bubbled plastic. Should we be like? <laughs> consuming anything out of these like so yeah when we did tupperware shots and i just remember um getting really fucked up off of- <laughs> well yeah i could imagine <laughs> so you missed tupperware the 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 uh genesis of tupperware shots i got there the year after oh fucking a yeah and oh. that's what i was most excited about and then the, the one white trash bash we had at uh justin streff and miller's they didn't have tupperware no yeah so we just had to do regular shots. I yeah, was so that's, pissed. That's a bit of a bo- <laughs> it's kind of boring, <laughs> which is weird because two thirds of that house were the genesis of Tupperware shots. Would they lose all their Tupperware over the summer? Yeah, what I don't ever happened? think they had Tupperware. Well, then where did the Tupperware come from that we took um, shots out of? Was it? <laughs> they oh, were the only two living. Brett? No, it was the only two living in that house. Oh. That was actually. I don't know, yeah. Maybe they tossed it all out. You know what? To that point that we were talking about beforehand, that house was where I learned to love craft beer. Was that old house over by the elementary school? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, why those two? We had some friends in college that decided, like, the place where we had the white trash bash was right across the street from an elementary school. <laughs> yeah, nothing can go wrong there. No, I was like, dude, you're asking for the cops to be here 
a hundred percent of the time. Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? So yeah, no, that uh, the school resource officer walk right over. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hey, hey guys, we need you to stop smoking out here. <laughs> we need you to stop sunbathing on your roof. <laughs> we can see your genitals. <laughs> like, oh, Got to be on the other side of the house. Got it. So, uh, no, uh, that was actually, we used to go over to their house every Thursday night and watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, yep. and then everyone would bring a different six-pack of beer from uh, the barn there in Stillwater. Yep. And we'd uh, mix and match and try everybody's craft beer. And I was like, it's, it's where I found that I liked when I started to be more open to enjoying craft beer. Um, in particular, a beer that you had, uh, apparently with... Uh, you're, I don't know, I don't know, were you, old Rasputin. Yep. Um, so our friend Justin, when he turned 21, somebody in his family bought him a four pack of old Rasputin because at the time in 2007, it was like the number one rated beer in America, which no shit really. Yeah. And it probably was thinking like looking back on beer history. (laughs) Yeah. Cause at this point, 12 years later, we can call that history. Um, for sure, it was a very, very popular beer. Uh, Old Rasputin, for those who don't know, is a Russian imperial stout made by North Coast Brewing. I think, I think so. I'll Google it. Uh, I was gonna say, like, that, that's one of those that I don't have often enough. And uh, uh, North Coast Brewing. Oh goddamn! Look at that. They're also nailed it. They they make Brother Thelonious, and they make. Fuck, fuck, a Pilsner of some sort. Scrimshaw, Pilsner. Damn, look at that fucking beer memory crushing it. Nice. Um, yes, I'm over 21. <laughs> anyway, Old Rasputin, <laughs> Old Rasputin is uh, the BJCP style guides, uh, like, number one example of Russian Imperial Stout. And it is flippin' amazing. And actually, technically, BJCP doesn't have Russian Imperial Stout. I stand corrected. BJCP has an American... Uh, Imperial Stout or American Strong Stout, whatever they want to call it. Yep. And Old Rasputin, right at the top of the list. Anyway, Justin got a four-pack of it, tasted it. His quote, tastes like shit. (laughs) This is the worst (laughs) beer I've ever had. I can absolutely see him saying that. (laughs) He handed me three beers and goes, here, you want this? Because his girlfriend and my girlfriend at the time, who are both now our wives, lived together. We were both over at their apartment, and he was like, here, yeah. you can have this because I'm not going to drink it. I'm like, I will happily drink all of these bad boys. And then I uh, proceeded to basically chug them all down in one setting. I was like, this is great. This is fantastic. It tasted like I just drank out of an ashtray. Yep. Um, but I'm not well, mad at it. That's how Justin smells like an ashtray. <laughs> Justin smells like, okay. That's, I mean... Accurate, rude, accurate. Um, <laughs> no, uh, he, uh, it was it was fucking phenomenal. I remember years later being at a flying saucer in Fort Worth with my cousin. Yeah, and we basically it started out where we both ordered flights, but like country flights. He ordered a German country flight, and I ordered a Belgian country flight. And all these like four beers from each region showed up. And I was like, oh, these Belgian beers are really fucking good. I like this wit beer style. It's fantastic. And then we moved from the table that we were at. We decided to belly up to the bar because the bartender was like actually knew shit about beer. So yeah. we moved up to the bar and uh, we started talking to the bartender and he was like, you know, is there anything you want to try? I'm like, well, I've never, I was like, I don't know what I should be drinking. And he was like, 
he poured me uh, like a four ounce sample of Old Rasputin Russian Imperial Stout. And I was like, oh, I've had this before. And I looked at my cousin and I was like, it, it's going to kick you in the teeth. And we <laughs> both drank it. And then we, I was like, oh, this is like the best fucking beer I've ever had. <laughs> but it was yeah. one of those things like you have an appreciation for it. You understand what you're drinking and mm-hmm. you like it that much more. Yeah. That's, I will say, um, you know, praise the flying saucer. Yeah. Um, cause that was whenever I would come back, uh, from OSU, I would always meet three or more, four of my friends at, you know, it's one of those like, Hey, um, you guys want to meet at, uh, we would go to the flying saucer in Addison. There you go. Yeah. Um, I think it was off Beltline. Beltline. Yeah. Maybe. Um, and dude, we would go from, you know, 10 to two. And it was basically just like a rotating, everyone would get what they want. You'd take a few sips and then we just rotate. Yeah. Until it's gone. And just be like, you know, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And you know, we didn't know half the shit we know now about craft beer. Right. Um, and I mean, it was, you know, it was cool. It was just, we were drinking new beers, shooting the shit. Yeah. And what's wild is you were probably having some of the beer that you like, it's like world class. Yeah, I'm sure, like, right? And we're all taking like two sips and being like, "Oh yeah, this is good. You should try it." Like, <laughs> 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 but honestly, I think that's the way kind of craft beer should be consumed. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're at your house drinking it like like we're doing now, essentially, like yeah, sure, have a have four beer, four of the same beers or whatever. But like, yeah. if you're out with friends, like pour it up. Let's mix and match this shit. Like let's experience what there is to, you know, you know, try what there is to try. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And that's kind of, I don't know. That's a, I, I think that's what it's what brings friends closer together because then it opens up dialogue between like what you get, you know, you tasted blueberries and that shit. What the fuck are you talking about? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Crazy ass. <laughs> you clearly have had too much to drink. You, you're too, yeah. you're too high. You can't drink anymore tonight. You, like, I don't know, man. I, I think that's that's what's really cool. Like uh, this Chimay, I'm drinking uh, Chimay Blue right now, the Grand Reserve. Yeah, boy, that's a uh, good one. I and I haven't had this in probably two years, year and yeah. a half or so. And just now, like my nose has stopped up, like it has just completely clogged itself. So I'm not enjoying it as much as I want to be. Uh, yeah. But what's wild is how much this beer changes as it warms up. Like when I first poured it, it was like this kind of like acidic, like astringent thin like burn and now yeah. it's just like really pretty dense malt like toffee bomb in my face toffee with raisins it's fucking great man like i forget how much i love this beer yeah no it was uh like i was telling you i think it was precast i might have actually said it on the cast the um well i bought it saturday um you know, Aaron loves it. Yeah. And I poured some, I think, I guess it was, yeah. So we bought it Saturday, tossed it in the, you know, it's warm. So tossed it in the fridge, um, overnight. And then Sunday about 1130. Prime uh, drinking time. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's my Belgian. That's the Belgian hour. 1130. I think in Belgium, it's like five o'clock there. It, yeah. it works out. It makes sense. <laughs> Um, but I mean, the first, the first few sips I had, I was like, man, this, this kind of sucks. Yeah. And then I kind of just let it sit for a little bit 
because I'm obviously I'm not going to chug a gross beer. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, you know, hold my breath before I take a sip and then just swallow it as quick as I can. Be like, oh yeah, it's so good. Right. Um, while she's looking at me like, do you like it? How's it taste? <laughs> How is it? And but dude, after like the, you know, sip three, four, five, it really grew on me. Yeah. And you know, I finished. I actually finished my little glass before she did. And I went back and um, Aaron was like, let me pour that for you. So you don't take all the rest of it. I was like, all right. Sounds fair. <laughs> that makes sense. So, one and, thing- uh, but no, it's, it's good. I like it. Um, I actually really enjoyed it. It was just, I think it was just more of a, um, you know, like Roquefort eight kind of has that, that real, I'm, I'm guessing at what the word astringent means. The word you just used, yeah, um, but it's kind of like a sharp yeah. effervescence. Yeah, there you go. I don't know. It's kind of what I got at first, and I was like, "Oh man, that's kind of a turnoff." Like I'm not trying to, you know, I don't want it to. I don't want to take a sip and feel the burn in my sinuses. There you go. You yeah. know, um, I want to feel that burn going down the throat. Yeah, the alcohol burn, not the yeah, not the so not the 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 burn carbonation. That, yeah, I was gonna say carbonic acid is what's causing that, mm-hmm. and it can lead to astringent uh, characteristics. Mm-hmm. Astringent uh, is like I I, I uh, equate it to like a thin metallic, um, okay, like type of feeling on your tongue, uh, or some people okay. even consider like medicinal. I'm not so much that, um, but. Okay. Causing the contraction of skin cells and other body tissues. There you go. Um, so it basically makes your... Oh, tongue. here you go. The second definition is what we need. Of taste or smell, slightly acidic or bitter. There you go. Yeah. Fresh black currants have a rather astringent flavor. Which... All right, yeah. Uh, some, so uh, some characteristics that you find in Belgian beers, uh, stone fruit is the one that I get the most. So like you think of any fruit with uh, a stone pit, uh, pit seed or whatever, yeah. Uh, whether it be like plums, uh, peaches, peaches, apricots, apricots, any of those, uh, cherries. Cherry's yeah. a big one. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of Belgian beers produce, especially maltier Belgian beers, produce that stone fruit flavor. Uh, mm-hmm. Raisin is another one. I mean, it's not a stone fruit, but raisin is one, and that's what I get typically. Well, I mean, raisin would be grape, right? right. Yeah. Um, I guess I forget that which, grapes. I forget that grapes have seeds sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. nectarines, plum peaches, uh, coconut, mulberry, date palm. Wait, coconut's a stone fruit? That's hey, that's what Google says. Okay, I don't know about all that shit. What um, is stone fruit? Fifteen popular fruits that are actually stone fruits: almond, mangoes. That's kind of fucking nuts. Okay, I love mango. I mean, I guess. So uh, when you're when, keep going, yeah, I was gonna say uh, when you're tasting these beers, you do have a lot of food flavors that pop out at you, which is also what makes Belgian beer so welcoming, and like uh, makes people fucking go back for seconds and thirds. Yeah, well, see, and that was like the the really cool thing about um, the the beer we got from from Trader Joe's was. Uh, you know, you're not expecting like a bold flavor followed by just like a subtly sweet little aftertaste. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's you don't necessarily you might smell the fruit and the floral flavors as you're drinking it, 
um, out of the glass, but you really taste it's almost like you get it on the back of your tongue, almost to the back of your throat. You're like, oh, dang. Yeah. That's kind of good. And your mouth kind of starts to water just a little bit, you know, back there. Yeah, and it, 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 it that's one of those like food flavors though the food the mm-hmm. the, food, the food things <laughs> that make you want to go back in for a second bite, second drink, like second sip, whatever it is. Um, it, it's I mean it's almost like the Belgians knew what the fuck they were doing. It's amazing. Yeah, I applaud them. Well, I dude, I I feel like I don't know. I I like casts like this where we have something we can actually discuss. Yeah. uh, And you have questions that you have experience with. And I actually know what the fuck we're talking about this go around. Yeah. It's fun. Um, Hopefully you you learn something. Um, Both you, Troy, and and, and the listeners. Uh, If if there's something that we missed, like it's not a a, a purposeful, like we fucking knew I was wrong in this. Like I, I, I'm trying, man. Uh, <laughs> the certified Cicerone exam mm-hmm. only gets me so far. And, uh, my nerddom yeah. only, only travels a certain distance. Um, if, if we want later on, a, maybe on another episode, we can talk about, uh, uh, ingredient wise, what makes Belgian golden strongs triples very different and maybe how to make them. And if you ever wanted to, yeah, put it home, I would, I would absolutely love to do that. Um, because I've, man, I just love Belgians. And I just, like, <laughs> I mean, I've recently discovered them. And I mean, recently as in, like, you know, the past two years, I've I've just dabbled in them. Yeah. Really, I think uh, last weekend was the most Belgian-intensive time of my life. And I loved it. I don't regret it at all. I would like <laughs> I would go back and buy all of those beers again. Oh, don't and I'll buy them in multiples, especially the Trader Joe's one, six ninety nine. Are you kidding me? Well, and the cool part uh, we've said it before. Like the cool part about those Trader Joe's beer, or Trader Joe's beers, is that they're made by legitimate brewers. Like that right? that one's made by Una Brew. Like that same beer is called La Fin du Monde or. What their other uh, triple that they make? I, don't even, I can't remember off the top of my head, but like it's it's essentially that beer, but for like half the cost. Yeah, <laughs> and like weird. I mean, I'm sorry if you're t- like I can't buy a six pack of Coors Light for six ninety nine. Not you're telling me I can go buy a pint of that. Yeah, um, that's what you said. It was corked and caged. Corked and ca- you said yeah, corked and caged is seven hundred fifty milliliters. So it's I mean it's technically yeah. it's almost. It's it two servings is basically what you could figure that out as. It's like yeah. twenty three ounces. I mean, that's like Aaron and I both had a glass of it, and we were just like, we have to get this. Next. Like, fuck the wine. Yeah. Well, actually, we'll still get a white. <laughs> I was gonna Aaron. say you still get <laughs> still get a fucking wine, but hey, it's Trader Joe's. You can't not get yeah. a bottle of wine. What are you gonna do? I mean, hell, four ninety nine for a nice Chilean or Argentinian red. Yeah, I'm I not, can't really pass that. I'm up. not Frank. I don't care about single estate. This single estate. No, I, fuck let's, that. Let's, give me something. Give me something that reminds me of communion, and I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take six Schlitzes. Fuck it, whatever's free. Like that's that's the life that I'm leading right now. I, I ain't got no no shame in that game. Uh-uh. Uh uh. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, uh, y'all y'all have all enjoyed uh, Troy and I's cast. I've enjoyed it, Troy. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, on I did too, Brian. It's always great to see you and chat yeah. with you, dude. And and uh, I I like when people have a, a genuine interest in in beer. 
if you couldn't tell already like that's the shit that i'm into so thank you for for uh coming with questions and uh and being open to try shit um that is really impressive not a lot of people want to go do that and and even fewer people actually go out of their way and take the suggestions and go do it so thank you troy oh you're very welcome i'll do it anytime <laughs> you, you're like i'll be your beer guinea pig i don't give a shit yeah, let's do just, this uh, hell text me a style i'll go find it and try it <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out we're gonna have troy like troy's gonna be ballooned up to like a fucking <laughs> i'm gonna be the flat stanley of beers <laughs> <laughs> send me anywhere i'll bring back yeah. the postcard i don't give a shit uh, well, if you liked this episode, please uh, stop by iTunes, the podcast app, and uh, uh, rate and review the wonderfulness that is Nowhere Left Behind. Please, five stars only. And uh, let us know uh, in the little comment section so that way we get a little more attention so more people find out about Nowhere Left Behind. We would greatly appreciate it. Um, also, you know, in casual conversation with a dude at the bar next to you, be like, hey, I'm listening to this really dope-ass podcast called No Beer Left Behind. Let me see your phone real quick. And then steal his phone, go to the podcast app, leave a good rating, and then be like, go ahead and subscribe to it because he'll thank you later or she, either way. And if it's she, don't touch her phone. It's going to be weird. You know what? Just forget everything that I said. Don't steal anybody's phone. Don't do that. That's going to be a bad idea. We're going to get blamed for some fucking phone theft bullshit. Just fucking tell people about No Beer Left Behind. We'd appreciate it. Um, while you're doing that, don't forget to visit us on social media at No Beer Left Cast on Twitter and Instagram. Also, over on Twitter is NBLB Beer. Uh, that's where I'm posting some of our uh, uh, way more beer related topics. Uh, some little video cuts that we do from this podcast and etc. etc. Drop by over there and let us know what we should be drinking. Uh, any questions that you have? Uh, like Troy had some great questions for us tonight. We'd love to answer them for you on the podcast. So for Brian, here in North Texas, I'm out. For Troy in far west Beirut, I'm out. <laughs>